Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Amanda Pellegrino is the author of The Social Climber, a novel. Amanda is a TV writer and novelist living in New York City. Most recently, she worked on Showtime's Rust and Hulu's The Looming Tower. Her writing has appeared on Betches, Refinery29, Bustle, Elite Daily, and others. Author of Smile and Look Pretty, The Social Climber is her sophomore novel, otherwise known as her second novel. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Social Climber. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I feel like I need to preface this audio-based interview with the fact that I have a cold. (laughs) Okay. Everybody, Amanda has a cold. This is not her normal voice. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm sorry you have a cold. It's going around. Yeah, it happens, I guess. After three years of like not being sick, this is... Wow. Yeah, Yeah. it happens. I have not gone three years without being sick, but that would be nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The Social Climber. Tell everybody what it's about. So The Social Climber follows Eliza Bennett, 
the week of her wedding to Graham Walker, a like old money, 1% New Yorker. And throughout the week, secrets from her past at her childhood and her time at like an evangelical megachurch college come to the surface that put her motives into question. Interesting. You know, it's so funny because I feel like all these, there's so many books about people like taking advantage of people on the Upper East Side for like marrying for the wrong reasons. There's all these secrets. I'm sitting here on the Upper East Side today and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, does anybody just marry for love around here? I know. It's so funny. I am also on the Upper East Side and I have the same, I walk around and I'm like, who is conning someone else? Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh, you should have come over. Well, I'm glad you didn't since you have a cult, but anyway. Yes, that's true. Uh, <laughs> so I love Eliza, who is sort of obsessed with her body at the moment too, and like making sure she can stay fit and trim and like a size two or something and like, you know, whatever. And you, in one of your opening scenes, you talk about her in a, a yoga class and you're like, why do people even have to warm up for yoga? <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so Eliza is trying to literally like look the part and fit in and put all of her needs sort of aside in this pursuit of this one goal. Tell me a little bit about the sort of the body image piece of this puzzle. Sure. So I think a lot of I think she has a really distinct image in her head based on, you know, she didn't grow up in this world. Um, She didn't grow up anywhere near this world. And a lot of what she thinks is pretty or deserving of this lifestyle she got from like magazines in the 90s and early 2000s. And she would go to the grocery store with her mom and steal them because her parents would never have let that in their house. And she would like stick them in her pants and read them in the dark. And so I think obviously during that time, there was a really misguided view of like what is pretty. And um, it was very singular too. And so she based a lot of her lifestyle on those images. And, you know, I also think so much happened to her and in this period of her life, everything is so calculated and so meticulous because she needs to fit in in every aspect. And so everything is planned. And a lot of her, you know, eating disorders in the book come from like a sense of release. And it's kind of the only moment she has to like take a deep breath and not think for you know, four minutes or however long it's taking her and like really, yeah, just take a deep breath and not have everything in her life be so meticulously planned. So I think it comes from kind of both of those aspects. Yeah. You see her, uh, you see her need for control with the whole vows column thing right up front and how when she gets even what she wants, right. She's like been dying for this to appear in the New York times vows column, which I feel like was a bigger deal like a little bit ago, you know, yeah. like now it's anyway, not that maybe I shouldn't even say that, but it was like the be all end all back in mm-hmm. the day. And now there are many outlets for this. Let me just say it that way. But even though she got the message, she like intentionally holds off to like tempt fate, but also just so that she can have the ball in her court for a minute. You know, it's so interesting, like just taking a moment like that and using it as a character development 
piece. Really interesting. Yeah. I think she's trying to get as much control as she can because at any moment her bubble can pop and she can, you know, everyone can find out why she's there and what she's really doing. And so, yeah, I think searching for any little tiny moments of control is really important to her. Yeah. I like searching for control too, but I feel like it's impossible. (laughs) Well, it's only in fiction. (laughs) (laughs) So this is your second book. Tell me about how you even got your start writing and what you're a little more about your first book called The Nine to Five, which is like my favorite movie. Um, actually, we go to LA a lot and we brought our kids recently. And the last time we were there with them, we had been watching Nine to Five and we paused it. And so my daughter, who's nine, she keeps being like, we have to go back to LA so we can finish the movie. Exactly. And then we got there this weekend and she's like, wait, we have to finish nine to five. I'm like, oh, that's anyways, so funny. I know. It's so funny. But, <laughs> I'm watching um, New York too. I, I know. I know. I mean, she knows. She like <laughs> yeah, d- does all the devices herself. I don't know. But that's anyway. So okay. So tell me about your first book. Tell me about how you got into writing, where, how you got to this book, like the whole story. Yeah. So The Social Image, my second book, The um, Smile and Look Pretty came out last year, um, last March, which was my first book about a group of assistants in like various versions of entertainment and media who have really bad bosses. And they start a website anonymously writing about their bosses that goes viral and women start submitting their stories about bad bosses. And so our four ladies have to like figure out how to keep their identities a secret so that they can keep their jobs with the bad bosses that they're writing about. (laughs) Interesting. And, but I started, I mean, I wrote my first book when I was probably about eight years old. Um, I've always wanted to write books forever, but I did have enough, I don't know, wherewithal or forethought to think, you know, you can't just be a novelist. You have to have a job until you start making money (laughs) as a novelist. And so once I discovered that people write television too, which blew my mind. (laughs) I think just you're not exposed. Like with books, you know, the first thing you see when you're holding a book is title author. And like this person owns this thing. And you're not really exposed to that in the same way growing up with writing on television, at least, because, you know, they're given kind of the same credit as everyone else. You don't really think about it. And it blew my mind that people write for TV. So I was like, oh, that's what I need to do. So I started, I was a CBS page on Colbert and the CBS Saturday morning show. And then I was a production assistant for a bunch of shows. And then other versions of assistants for a really long time, which is kind of the typical path up until I finally got my first writing job. And it's been a grind. But, you know, moving forward ever since. <laughs> so what did you end up writing for TV? I worked on a show called The Looming Tower, which was on Hulu. And then most recently, a show called American Rest, which was on Showtime. Slash, I think season one was on Showtime. Season two was on Amazon. So cool. And then when did you start writing the novel while you were working full-time, just like on the side? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of when you're an assistant, there's a lot of like periods of unemployment because like in between shows, in between deciding if you're getting a second season or not. And so I did a lot of writing during those periods um, just because that's when you have the most time. But one of the reasons, kind of the thing that really lit a fire under my ass it for to write Smile and Look Pretty was 
I was really tired of being an assistant and you need an agent to kind of do anything in the TV industry and getting an agent is like a supreme, in my opinion, example of like gatekeeping. No one knows how to do it. (laughs) You have to know someone to know someone to know someone to get a, a TV agent. And so I was like, okay, fine. I'll just write a book and get an agent that way. And then like, they all know each other. And it truly was like, I wrote the book so fast. I think I wrote it in like a couple of months before I got, and I like queried it way before I should have. And it all worked out. Thank goodness. (laughs) But it was truly getting a a book agent is a much more streamlined and they just tell you what they want. And if, and they read their slush pile and I was in the slush pile and I, you know, got my agent who's like incredible and I love her so much. And, and then because I got that agent, I was able to kind of within the same agency at Verve get a, finally a TV agent too. So it was all a little manipulated. Wow. Writing a book just to write for TV. I like it. You don't hear <laughs> that all the time. That's really cool. Who is your agent, by the way? Um, Liz Parker at Verve. So and she's a wonderful. Yeah. I could talk about her forever. <laughs> we could have had her on. She could have come She's so great. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So I see where the topic, I see where the, the inspiration for the first one came from, from your 8 million assistant jobs, which is great. <laughs> what about where this particular idea came from for the social climber? Yeah. You know, I always wanted to write in the thrillery genre. I, that's what I like to read. And so I kind of always knew that was something that I wanted to write. I think I might have even mentioned it to my agent on like our first call because Smile and Look Pretty is very kind of women's fiction, commercial fiction. But it felt like they always say that, you know, when you're querying your first book, that it should be, you should be the only one who could write it. And like, you should tell people like, why are you the only person who could write this book? And that's how I felt about Smile and Look Pretty. Like I'm the only one who could write this. And it's the book that I needed to write to get the agent and get the book deal and get my foot in the door so that I could move on and start writing in the genre that I really love. And this book, you know, I was really, I'm really fascinated by religion and any form of extremist religion. And, you know, anyone, it's just so interesting to me that one text, if it's like the Bible or I don't know, the Book of Mormon, like anything like that can be interpreted in like completely different ways. And one that is very mainstream and then one that's really extreme. Excuse me. And so that always really fascinated me. And I knew I wanted to write about a character who grew up in that world. And then I was like, what is a really weird place that you can kind of plop someone into? And then I thought college, because college, at least to me, is kind of like pseudo freedom. Like the stakes aren't that high in terms of if you mess up, like you're not really a real adult yet but you do have your away from your parents and the rules are more lax, but you also have a support system around you in this school and in your roommates and in your friends that's supposed to help you. And so I was so interested in dropping in a character who's never experienced any kind of freedom and who's desperate for it in a school that doesn't allow it. 
And then just to see how that butt heads and like what interesting things can come out of it. And then, you know, for the present day chapters, New York is just such a great place to write about the 1%. (laughs) They're everywhere. And I think that New York is, is such an ambitious town. And like, I know I do this all the time. Like I'm constantly walking down Park Avenue or like East End Avenue and just looking into these apartments being like, wow, that must be so nice. (laughs) And I love my apartment and I love my life here, but it's so different than, you know. And so I think that that ambition and being in New York and like seeing one of those windows for someone like Eliza made sense to me and her being like, I'm going to get there actually. Like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not just going to look into the window. I'm going to get inside and be able to look out on everyone who's looking up at me. And so, yeah, that's kind of where a lot of the inspiration came from in pieces until it all worked its way together. Interesting. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11, and it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. So how did you grow up? What was your, where did, where did you grow up and all of that? I grew up in Queens in New York and I grew up 
I'm not religious. I grew up Catholic. I didn't really follow it. Um, but I did go to Catholic school through college, which is definitely just an interesting environment in general. It was kind of, it wasn't like an extremist school, um, but we definitely had rules that I think other schools probably didn't about like visitors in your dorm and stuff like that. But yeah, when I was at my book lunch, I was asked, you know, was this from real life or, you know, did you imagine a lot of the story? And my mom's like in the back of the room being like, you imagined it. Tell everyone that you imagined. Like, what are you doing? Hesitating. <laughs> It's like everything comes from a version of real life. It's just like finding the emotional things you want to talk about. But yes, this wasn't my childhood at all. (laughs) (laughs) Extremist evangelical um, farm. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think about social climbing as a thing? And to a woman like Eliza, who decides she wants to get there and to do so by marrying up, so to speak. Like, what do you make of that? And what do we think of that as like a feminist thing and like, uh, you know, like what do you, where do you, where do you, where do you land on that? You know, it's so hard because there's, I think it's really easy to be dismissive, like social climbers as someone who is like handed things. But then I think it's also really hard to climb, (laughs) you know, and I think it's working hard in a different way. I do love, you know, something I loved about this book, was that it does feel like a twist on the social climber trope because she's doing it for a very unselfish reason. And I did like that, you know, when the social climber wasn't the original title of the book. I was going to ask you that. I was literally, that was on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> what was the original title? The original title was uh, The Night We Met, which so far I'm 0 for 2 in naming my own books. Both of them got (laughs) named by my editors. And so, and then, you know, we went through some artwork for the night we met and tried some different things, but the general feedback was that it can skew a little romance, which this isn't at all. And so they wanted to readjust. And I really didn't like the social climber title. I fought back Mm. a lot against it. And I kept repitching different things. And they kept saying like, what about the social climber? And finally in like a panicked call, my agent, Liz Parker was like, why don't we tell them that we want to see the artwork with the title? And then you can make a decision. Cause that makes like with a tagline and like, that'll make a big difference. And then it came in and I was like, oh my God, I love it. I'm so <laughs> sorry for the time I wasted telling you guys that it was horrible. And once, you know, with the tagline on the book and the woman, and um, I think it helps establish that it's just not a book about like a vapid woman who wants to go to cool parties and, you know, live a life of luxury. And I thought, I think that was important to me because her, Eliza's character is someone who works incredibly hard and it's for a very specific reason. And I didn't want that to get lost mm-hmm. in the concept of social climbing, but I think it lands well now. <laughs> it's a fabulous cover. I have Thank to say you. for people listening, it's this very glamorous woman in this long red dress, which is beautiful and like tan patent leather heels and like a chignon sort of like a low bun with her perfect hair. And like, she looks like a model and like a lobby or living room of her house. 
basically, mm-hmm. right? With this yeah. really cool credenza and like this gold mirror and like a little tree. And it's just really cool. It's a great, uh, like how the trees on the back a little bit. Anyway. No, um, I'm a huge fan. They did such a good job. So now that we know you can write a book in a couple months, how, <laughs> what, uh, what is your schedule now? You're just going to try to crank one out every year. Is that your goal? <laughs> yeah, I do. Think that, <laughs> I do think that I had a bit of an advantage because this uh, smile and look pretty's pub date was delayed so much because of it, it sold in March 2020. It was supposed to come out in June 2021, and then it got pushed because of COVID, and then December 2021, and then it got pushed because of supply chain. Oh no, March 2022. So. I had written and handed in the first draft of the social climber before Smile and Look Pretty had even come out. Oh wow. Which I do just think was because there was so much time. Like we were finished with the book months before it came out for Smile and Look Pretty. But so I do think that helped. I also think it helped with my mindset which I didn't realize at first, but I think it's so easy when like being an author is a lifelong dream to put so much pressure on that debut. When in reality, like, I want this to be a career. So like this book should just get you the next one, which should just get you the next book. And that is kind of what the general goal is versus like, this is the one I just want to kind of write forever. And so I think having my second book in my back pocket and like it had sold and I had made money already. And like that all helps because if smile and look pretty tanked, which thankfully it didn't. But if it did, I at least was like, okay, I have another one. So don't worry about it. <laughs> we can forget about that. And I have another one. So that <laughs> felt really good. So it's definitely a different writing experience now, writing after the book comes out and not having to do like past pages while I'm working on the next book and stuff like that. But I am working on number three now which has been really fun because Eliza is such a very specific character with a really strong and specific voice. And so it took me a little while to not write like her anymore because Mm -hmm. I feel like I heard her voice so clearly in my head for so long. So that was a bit of a practice in writing the first chapter of book three over and over again until it didn't just sound like Eliza. Oh, you could have done the continuation. There's that book out of it. Whole series. That's true. So that was a practice of patience, I'll say. But now I finally kind of hit a stride in it, which feels really good. And I have a TV show in development right now, which has been like the most fun to work on. And then I have good feelings about the social climber's future. Okay. (laughs) Is I think all I can talk about, but yeah, very positive vibes about that too. Amazing. That's great. So much exciting stuff. I love it. Yeah. A good start to 2023, which is nice. Wow. So when you're not writing and reading thrillers, I guess, and writing for TV, what do you like to do, especially here in New York? Like, Where do you like to go and restaurants or what do you like to do for fun or whatever? I'm a big runner. Okay. Um, I've run two New York marathons. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's been really fun, but I found... I'll shout out to the Upper East Side Run Club, which is every Wednesday is where I am. Um, it's running has been like really fun, especially it's just, I find it to be such a fun way to like explore any city, but especially like a walkable city like New York. 
and Eliza runs a lot in the book and has a very similar running route to me. Okay. But I love going to new restaurants. I feel like post COVID, there's been a real resurgence of new restaurants and newly branded restaurants post COVID, which has been really fun to explore, especially in the Upper East Side. I've lived here for almost seven years now. And so it's been fun to see how the neighborhoods changed and, you know, go to like restaurants that used to be a diner, like, you know, speakeasies that used to be subway platforms and stuff like that. <laughs> it's been fun. But yeah, I love living here. I feel like there's an endless possibility of things to do. And if you're ever bored, it's your own fault. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'll tell that to my kids. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Any parting advice for aspiring authors? I guess I'll say, actually, my normal thing is always just like write every day, which is like the stupidest piece of advice because everybody gives it. Although it's I do stupid. Think it's if it's true. helpful to you, I mean, I, but okay, but fine. But I also will say something that I learned when writing The Social Climber, I wrote most of the book when I was on set in Pittsburgh for a show that I was working on. And it was really hard because, you know, being on set, it's like a 14 hour day, you know, as like a writer producer, you don't have like a desk. So you're kind of moving around constantly depending on the day and what scene you're shooting. And it was really just finding any kind of 15 minutes I could find, whether it's like between camera setups or at lunch or like in my car, I would get to set early and sit in my car for a half an hour and work. And it really taught me the importance of not relying too much on anything external to make writing productive. Mm -hmm. Um, Like it's important to not feel like you need to be in the perfect chair with the perfect pillow and the perfect, you know, a candle and flowers and all of this stuff in order to create a vibe, which it was hard to get used to, but I, it was a very helpful learning experience for me was like, sometimes you just have to sit down and write on the curb of a street in (laughs) Pittsburgh for 20 minutes. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Shout out to Pittsburgh. Yep. Herbs. (laughs) But a lot of women. Um, Awesome. Well, thanks, Amanda. It was really great to meet you. And maybe I'll see you. I will not probably be running anymore. I used to (laughs) So I was going to say I could see in the park, but I probably won't. But anyway, thank you so much for members. having me. And congratulations on the weekend. It was looked like oh, so thank you. Fun. It was so much fun. I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> I'm like walking my dog in the rain and I'm like, but that was so nice. <laughs> yes, I know. It looked beautiful. And like, it, it was just such a huge crowd and what incredible authors you had coming and signing. And really fun. so cool. Congratulations. Thank you. I felt like it was a dream. Now yeah. back. Back to regular. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Thanks so much. Great to meet you. Thank you so much. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.